Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the Yippie Market Podcast, brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Joto PR. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Dan McGaw of McGaw.io about leveraging your MarTech stack to drive personalization and growth. Dan is a MarTech expert, CXL instructor, award-winning entrepreneur, speaker, CEO of analytics and marketing technology consultancy, Maga.io, and a United States ambassador of entrepreneurship. Dan also finds time to be a 500 Startups mentor and started Orlando's first business accelerator. Dan, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So topic, let's jump right into it. Leveraging the MarTech stack to drive personalization and growth. Um, you could just say leveraging the MarTech stack, but I, I suppose the second half kind of gives some context of, hey, what's the MarTech stack actually for? Mm -hmm. I believe some marketers feel MarTech, great. That'll give me more free time. And other marketers see it as an ends to a means. What is the best use of MarTech really? And I guess marketing technology, if anybody's listening, it covers all technologies, CRMs, everything we use for, um, for marketing these days it goes way beyond CRM now. But um, so what's kind of the, the true purpose of MarTech marketers should be focusing on? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of different MarTech out there, right? I mean, there's over 8,000 tools. So there's a lot of different categories, a lot of different sections. Uh, so a lot of different tools have a lot of different purposes, right? So, but, you know, the most common thing that we see people trying to do is one, they're trying to automate as much as they possibly can, um, whether that is their data collection, whether that's how they communicate, but a lot of big part of it is around automating as much as you can. So you can focus your labor on other stuff. Right. So it, it, a big part, it isn't trivial to say, oh, I'm trying to free up time with this technology. That is a, a big purpose of it. Um, it does enable additional stuff, though, that you, mm -hmm. you know, we couldn't do before. Um, a lot of attribution, tracking, all kinds of crazy stuff that marketers have the tools for now, which probably means we spend more time marketing instead of less, even though it's uh, so how is that balance going? <laughs> are, are marketers spending more time or less now that they have all this MarTech? Honestly, I mean, the more MarTech you add, the more time you're going to have to spend on the MarTech itself, right? So while it may automate the way that you communicate with your customers, once you have a lot of marketing technology, it takes a lot of operations to truly manage it. Um, so it's not like you're going to spend less time. You're just going to have to spend more time on managing the actual stack. But at the end of the day, I mean, with all of this tech, I mean, we're trying to create outcomes, right? Like we're trying to drive growth. We're trying to meet some objective um, so if you're focused on it correctly, right, I mean, all of this work that we're doing in the stack is trying to help us read our revenue goals, our lead goals, or something like that. Right. And I saw two things there. We're saying leveraging it, great, but personalization and growth. So one, of course, growth yeah. typically means more sales. So marketing's yeah. end goal, help sales close more deals. Um, unless I guess you're a MarTech yourself, then may not even have a sales team. It's just kind of the, there's a funnel set up and it's running through. But the other one, personalization, that's kind of a huge one that being able to personalize at some sort of scale greater than you could otherwise, that MarTech's really enabled. Can yeah. you speak to the personalization aspect a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. You know, at the end of the day, we want to be able to personalize as much as we can to our customers. I mean, that type of targeting, segmentation, personalization is the whole reason why they connect with us and as well as why they become customers, right? So really, really important to do personalization. And I think if, you, if you're using the modern tech stack, right, like using a customer data platform, right, a CDP, you have good marketing automation set up and you're using data enrichment, 
um, you can do all kinds of extreme and crazy personalization. Um, and it's really, really helpful. So because at the end of the day, when somebody gives you your email, if you have enrichment, well, you can find out what company they work for, where are they located, their name, their information, you can even find their picture. Um, and all that power, it now is going to be imported into your, your CRM, your marketing automation tool. And you can now use that for targeting. You can now use that for personalization. Um, but you, you want to get past just saying, Joe, here's our newsletter, right? Like, well, first, first get there and then stuff. get past it. Yeah. If you don't have the yeah. first name filled in. <laughs> if you don't sure have you the first that. name stuff, get that going, right? That's pretty uh, straightforward. Um, and then you need to kind of expand from there. I mean, and being able to use a lot more personalization to segment your lists, um, understand what people are interested in and send them what they care about. Um, that type of personalization is always going to be relevant. I love you say, send them what they care about. My company is a data company and we started out facilitating spam by providing lists basically because the lists were, had so little personalization. And then mm -hmm. as we have more info as marketers, the classic thing is always give us all your info so we can personalize your experience better. And that's, there's up and downsides to that. But yes, the MarTech allowing you to, once you have the info, try to only bother people when they want to or are more likely to be receptive. Um, reduce the friction in marketing, basically, I think is a great aspect of, of MarTech when, when fully used. Yeah, no, for sure. And you know, if you get good at doing things like progressive profiling, where you ask people questions over a period of time, they'll tell you everything you need to market to them. Um, and they'll do if it. You just look you at their Facebook gonna... page. They probably already put it all up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we used to get a ton of data from Facebook, but Facebook locked down more of their stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, Facebook has a ton of information. Same with LinkedIn. I mean, all these social platforms have so much information about you. Now they have it, but it seems like they're always fighting. Um, they have all the information, but once they're monetizing it, they want it monetized in their platform. So like Facebook mm -hmm. locks it down because they're like, oh yeah, if people can take the info out of Facebook, they can use it. And then they're not paying us anymore. So they really want you to pay them for their ads and they're going to use the information kind of behind the scenes. Um, it seems like the newer a platform is, the more access it gives you to the data for you to own. And then the more mature it is, the more it locks it down and says like, okay, now we, we're really monetizing this and we're going to have to charge you for it. Um, yeah. But MarTechs can get around a lot of that, right? I mean, there's a lot of MarTechs that, that, can, that can pull this information and, and use it. Absolutely. There's a lot of technologies out there, one that are doing scraping of this stuff or accessing it, or there's some Russian hacker, which is selling them a USB drive. I mean, the, the information still hits the internet, right? Like it's still out there. Recent news, uh, some some hacker, uh, I don't know if he's Russian or not, but uh, he'd scraped the whole LinkedIn database and was selling yeah. it on the dark web. And from what I heard, the news was basically like, well, he didn't hack it necessarily. I mean, they call it hacking, but he just accessed it through their API like, like they let people do by accident. And now he has all the data. And one quick mm -hmm. note, people will call that a data breach and I think it's a data privacy issue. This is not an issue of... Um, social security numbers and credit card numbers and passports yeah. and stuff like that being, it's just people's information that's all over the web anyway. It's just this person um, pulled it all down from a site in, in mass and then is selling it, which obviously LinkedIn doesn't really want.
Oh, of course. And I mean, this isn't the first time that their platform has been completely scraped and sold. I mean, uh, this is m- multiple times that has happened. So, and, you know, no picking on the, the Russians for the hacking, but obviously they come up quite often in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, that's how the data enrichment space really keeps moving forward. And, you know, I think that the social media companies get a bad rant, a bad rap for this. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot of talk about privacy and security and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, Facebook, Google, all them, like they're, they're definitely trying to provide you a great customer experience. Experian is not trying to provide you any great customer ex- like experience, but they're selling all of your data to everybody. And right. people don't really understand that. Like if you want to really understand who's, who's the bad guy, who's actually selling your data, it's the credit card companies and the credit card bureaus and the banks they know your name and they sell all of that information about what you buy. And um, interesting, you know, it's pretty, and, and that is not something picks on Facebook. Yeah. You gave Facebook the info and then they're sharing it. They're using it for marketing. And actually, like you said, they're trying to lock it down more because they want to monetize it. Um, yep. But uh, that's a very interesting point. Companies like Experian, the credit, when I say, oh, that's not a, an issue because there weren't credit card company numbers. The actual company you have a credit card with is probably selling more of your information that you don't know about than, than the social media site you're posting your lunch on. hundred percent. No experience. Oh. I, I, I did a, a data enrichment study a, a couple of years ago and I had to do a lot of research on Melissa and um, Experian and a bunch of the bigger, bigger providers. And I was blown away just putting in my wife's email, how much information they had about my wife. And I was like, man, you know, all this stuff, um, because of her credit card expenses. Um, so uh, kind of blew me away. Yeah. Well, the and the general idea there, again, not to, like you said, not to demonize um, anybody is when you have more information, you can customize more, you can personalize the experiences more, um, and you can create less friction and less spam, whether it's physical mail that's unwanted, email that's unwanted, online yeah. ads that are unwanted. Um, once, when, when enough is known about you, you can get tailored to you the stuff that, that may be more relevant. So it's not all bad. Yeah, no, for sure. It's not all bad. And you know, uh, if it's cool with you, I'd love to have a quick experiment, show some people about the things that can be found on the web about them. Um, so we, we have a, we do a lot of work in personalization and there's a lot of companies that make a lot of creepy mistakes with their personalization. And, you know, there's things that you probably shouldn't do with the data that you can collect. But um, what I'd love to do is have your audience uh, listening to the podcast, test something out with me. So if you pull out your cell phone, right, uh, what I want you to do is go to your text messages. And what you're going to do is you're going to text the word creepy to this number. So just the word creepy, C-R-E-E-P-Y, text the number 415- 915-9011. I'll say that number again. It's 415-915-9011. And just text the word creepy to it. It's going to follow back in a minute or so. And it's going to ask you what your email address is. And then that email is then going to go get enriched by our services. Uh, and then we'll send you another text message in a couple of minutes after we've gotten enrichment, because we're going to send you an email um, with all of the things that we're able to find on the web about you. And this is all automated process that we have running through our system. Um, and use an email like a corporate email or something which is going to be found a little bit more uh, often on the internet. And you'll be amazed how much we can find. And right, it's shocking alone, right? Like when some people get back just their zip code, it's like, but that's helpful, right? Like once I have your email, I have your zip code, like that's super, super helpful in our marketing. You right. may back may only get back one or two fields, or you could be like somebody like myself who gets back over 50 fields. Like my picture was in it, our company logo was in it. Like, um, but a really, really good experiment just to see how data enrichment can work and how it will impact you. 
That's awesome. And yeah, don't use your sneaky email that you only sign up for newsletters where you don't want anybody to know who you are or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe, you know, do it again and send that one as well and see the difference. But um, <laughs> that, that's cool. We'll put that in the show notes as well. That's a great example of, again, just to remind people, we are talking about MarTech and this is kind of a MarTech type thing. This is something mm-hmm. you created. It sounds like that once information sent in, it takes action, goes out there, scours the web, pulls it, sends it. And did you, you create this just to kind of show people what can be done? What, yeah, what's the... so our, our tool, we're using other APIs, just integrating with other data enrichment providers uh, that give us all the information. But the goal was really to show people, listen, like you have this much information out there. So it's not like when you give us your email, we just have your email. Once we get that email, we get all kinds of other pieces of information. Uh, and this is all relatively available um, through APIs, right? It's not very complicated. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not easy. Um, but we did it as proof to show people like, listen, once we get your email, we can find out all these things. You don't have to tell us. It's that easy. Um, this isn't as easy when you're in like Europe, uh, cause obviously they have a lot of more rules around this now, but America is still the wild, wild West when it comes down to, to data. Um, and I don't think that's going to change. And I also don't think it's a bad thing, right? I think data, I think people get a little insecure about data, um, when there's really not that much of a need to, it's not like we're looking in your window and like tracking you. I just know that you're a male and you live in Wyoming and uh, that's it. And I don't even look at this data. It's our system, which processes it. So that way we can run lead scoring or send you personalized messages. Um, We're doing it to help you at the end of the day. We're not doing it for some malicious intent. Um, It's, it's all so we can provide you a better experience and optimize uh, our business as well. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This thing keeps coming up. And it's, it's crazy. I, I think I'm going to be speaking on it later this year. Um, but the general idea is you don't own your data the way you think you do or want to. And you're not going to. Like people seem to think they own their name, their face, their... And it's like it to an extent you do or think they have privacy in those areas. And it may be a little controversial and may not quite sound right, but you don't. Like yeah. I don't know how many times this, this just keeps coming up recently. It's crazy. Um, I, I think it's because people are looking at these data privacy things and kind of pushing mentally too far into what they own. But your neighbor gets to remember, like you said, they're not looking in your, they're not in your private space. This is what you put out there publicly. Once you put something out publicly, you don't own it anymore. Like mm-hmm. that's it. You, you, you don't. So unless you want to hide in a cave, there's just a lot of things a lot of people are going to know about you and you have to be careful what you put out there. Don't put your social security number on a billboard and then complain that somebody used it. Like that's, yeah. you put it out there. Don't. So yeah, there is data bad side, taking stuff that's not supposed to or weird side, like Experian uh, and, and stuff like that, maybe where you don't know or you didn't give for that purpose versus yeah. Um, yeah. Somebody knows what you had for lunch because you told them it's perfectly fine. <laughs> um, getting back to so MarTech uses all this stuff. It uses all yeah. this data. It's not just using data, though. There's a lot of other things automated and kind of processes that are 
computerized and digitized that we can do now to save time, to be more effective, to be more um, efficient with our marketing, get better results, get more sales. Um, one thing I'd like to know from you is, do you have a favorite MarTech stack or what MarTech stack do you use when it comes to, to tools from the bottom up? Yeah, really, really good question. Um, you know, and I cover this in my book, Build Cool Shit is kind of like, what is the modern marketing stack? Uh, and what are the tools that you really need to have, right? So um, at the end of the day, right, I don't, every business is unique. It's its own snowflake. So this is, this stack can change for any single company. So don't take these tools like, oh God, I have to add these. Um, but we highly recommend with most companies to have a customer data platform, a CDP. Um, we use Segment. Segment is by far the leader in the space for customer data platforms. Um, customer data platforms are really good because one, they help provide you a 360 degree view of your customer. Um, but they become, in essence, the data pipeline you use to track all of your customer interactions and then send that to all of your other tools, um, which makes it a lot easier. And I'll come back to one of the reasons why it's super, super helpful. Can you um, explain a, the difference between a, a CDP and a CRM? A, a cut, yeah. A customer management. No, that's that's a great question. So, I mean, the primary difference between a CRM and a CDP, and it really does come down to what CDP you use. So if I was just to focus on, let's just say, Segment as the main CDP and Salesforce as the main CRM, the big difference between the two is one, the CRM is mainly used by a salesperson or somebody who has a relationship with the customer. And they're constantly trying to um, update that record and work work uh, the CRM. So that way they can communicate with that person or be able to talk with them. And ultimately, um, a CRM is a database of people um, with notes and tags and flags about that person and how a sales rep is usually interacting with them. Now, I know in the enterprise space, marketing automation tools sometimes get called the CRM. So in that case, right, it's still a contact record, which we're trying to automate communication through um, and how we're managing the relationship with that customer. There can be a lot of overlap between these things and people might use one or the other and stuff sometimes. Absolutely, for sure. And then in the traditional aspect of a CDP, right, so a CDP for segments perspective, right, is it's basically a pipe, right? So we send our data to it and then it not only stores that data in many cases, it doesn't store it in a means where you can like quickly access it and then like know, understand where Tony is in the sales process. It does store it and it does keep all their data, but typically a CDP is actually responsible for the distribution of that data to other tools as well. So when you think about Salesforce, you may connect that to your Uh, segment CDP and have segment send all the data from your website, your mobile app, um, your forms, anything you have into Salesforce. But the reason why that's so valuable is not only will segment send that data to Salesforce, but it will also send it to Marketo, also send it to Amplitude or Google Analytics or Google Ads or Facebook. So the, the, the platforms like segment, the CDPs are not only piping your data to everything else in your stack, which power your CRM or your marketing automation tools, but they can also store that and enable you to do some actions. So there is a lot of overlap with CDPs and CRMs and marketing automation platforms, but the primary difference is how they store their data. Um, a CDP is, is, is always expanding, can always save more data. Salesforce, if there's not a field, it's not going to save it. And Salesforce doesn't track behavior data really all that well. And that's where the CDPs provide a lot more value. But I can't tell you just off of like this podcast, should you be using a CDP or a CRM or a marketing automation tool? Chances are you should be using all of them and they should all be integrated together. But for some businesses, right, uh, depending upon the CDP you choose, you no longer need a marketing automation tool because the CDP is going to accomplish that. Um, So that's where it gets really, really confusing um, and it can get hard. 
Um, that being said, in your business, you should be using a marketing automation platform, whether that's a Marketo, a Pardot. Um, I really, really love Autopilot, which is one of my favorite marketing automation tools. If you're B2B, you should have a CRM like Salesforce. I know there's other platforms out there like Sugar or Zoho. You know, if you want to be cheap and use the, the third best tool in the marketplace, you can go to those guys. <laughs> I always use Salesforce. Um, HubSpot's making a big contention right now for really being a popular one there. And then the last one that I always say that everybody has to have is analytics, right? And I'm not saying Google Analytics specifically. Google Analytics is okay, but it doesn't tell you who the customer is. It doesn't enable you to build things easily. Don't get me wrong. If you're an expert in Google Analytics, it can do a ton of stuff. But when you think about making it easy to track users on the site, right? Platforms like Mixpanel, uh, they will actually track who the customer is, what their name is, track every attribute that you save about them, as well as what are they doing. So Mixpanel and Amplitude are really, really good tools for doing this. And Mixpanel, uh, a great platform, but Amplitude's free. Um, so most people could use that forever and never have to pay a dollar. So really, really powerful platform. But those platforms can get complicated. So even if you have to take a step back from that, there's other platforms like Hotjar or even uh, Kissmetrics, which might make it a little bit easier for you. But you really do need to have a marketing automation pl platform. You need to have your analytics platform. And hopefully you get a customer data platform set up a CDP. So that way it just makes your integration process even easier. Excellent, excellent. Now, so those are kind of some foundational, got to have these MarTechs. Yeah. Um, or, or at least look into them and have some overlapping. I'm imagining, uh, I know there's the MarTech um, PDF that's put out that now looks like some sort of mystical world map instead of just a yeah, grid. The landscape. And uh, I'm picturing like, I'd love to see a Venn diagram of how these MarTechs overlap. Because um, mm. so many of them, I feel like every MarTech could probably, or most of them would be, would be overlapping in the services they provide. Because so many of them is like, sure. oh yeah, it can do this and so can this one, but then they both have other things they also do. And, and, and in certain areas, there's probably MarTechs that would be unnecessary if you had a handful of others because they all have the same functionality combined and they all integrate now. You're talking about the CDP and it seems like the great thing is the data integration across everything uh, as a central data hub there. I mean, that's, it's a CD for data. Um, yeah, for sure. And you, you want to have data being recycled through your entire stack. Um, you want tools to be sharing data freely. So if a tool doesn't integrate well with anything else, you probably shouldn't be using that tool. Right. Now, what about, um, those are foundational. What about cool MarTechs? What about fun things? Or what about MarTechs that do kind of one-off little things, uh, you know, like your texting creepy type thing. That, that's a MarTech yeah. in a sense. It's doing a, a very specific, making a point about something. But mm -hmm. there's a lot of little MarTechs that do one little thing really well. Um, yeah. any, any favorites there for you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I have a ton of favorite tools, right? So like um, by far, one of my favorite tools that I use all the time is MixMax. MixMax is an emailing tool, but it enables you to integrate with Salesforce amongst a million other tools. But it just makes managing my email much, much, much easier. And it gives me a lot of superpowers like scheduling widgets and things like that. And that's still a part of my marketing technology, right? It's part of my sales tech. Uh, it integrates with a lot of my tools. So MixMax, uh, really, really badass email tool. Um, it's not like a ESP or a MailChimp or something like that, right? It's meant to be inside of Gmail. Uh, I think they recently launched an Outlook as well. So MixMax would be one of my favorites. 
Um, there's other, there's, uh, and this is a shameless plug, but uh, I also own another company called UTM.io, but I'm a super big fan of where I use the tool every single day because it enables me to make all of my campaign tracking links. Um, UTM suck to make, right? Making campaign links is hard. Um, and UTM.io just makes that a lot easier. Uh, it makes it so a big team can stay organized. Um, you know, I think um, another tool, which I probably, you know, um, don't really talk a, a ton about with all the different tools that we have going on is like, you know, and this is kind of product tech. So it kind of blurs the line. I, I love AppQs. Um, AppQs is a product onboarding tool. So it enables us to onboard customers into our product. We consider it to be marketing tech because marketing is responsible for driving subscriptions, which means that marketing has some oversight on onboarding new customers. Um, and AppQs does a really, really good job at enabling you to do that. Um, so those are some of the, the ones that I would say that I'm a, a fanboy of right now. Um, and the last tool that I will just say that uh, I know our team is really happy to be using is a company called ConvertFlow. Uh, ConvertFlow is a pop-up tool, but it also does uh, website personalization. It does a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, but ConvertFlow, which is like a pop-up tool for your website, super, super powerful, uh, would be another tool that recently has kind of popped on my radar. That's fun. I remember, um, I think it was demand base. There's a handful of companies back in the day that uh, had this, this website personalization, getting back to the creepy part with data where you can go a little weird and collect a ton of information on people and then show them that and freak them out. Um, you know, things like when somebody visits your site, they each see their own custom um, page that sometimes, you know, may show them a view of their own website uh, or of something yeah. about, about them um, that uh, some people could find, uh, could find invasive. So be careful how you use some of these, uh, some of these MarTechs and think about how the other person's going to react to it and, and the information and whatnot. All right, great. Some, some cool MarTechs there. And I mean, people may not, like you said, that one, is it really a MarTech? Well, if marketing uses it and it's technology, then Sure. I mean, we use Calendly and I'm like, well, that's a, if marketing is using it to schedule meetings, then it's a MarTech. If it's, yeah. um, that's a great example of those overlapping ones. We have Office 365 and Calendly. Well, Office 365 has the same exact function built into it. We're already paying for it. Why would we pay for Calendly? Well, Office 365 didn't advertise it. So we didn't know when we got Calendly and Calendly yeah. just advertised the simplicity of it. And so that you yeah. end up getting this stack that has all this overlap again, that makes some things they could be unnecessary except for, you know, maybe they have a slightly more um, convenient button. And so you end up using them. <laughs> um, it's how it works. It's how it works every time. Yeah, great. A lot more to go over here. I want to take a quick break. Uh, we're, we're here talking with Dan McGraw of, uh, or, I'm sorry, Dan McGraw of McGraw.io about uh, leveraging the MarTech stack to drive personalization and growth, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for new leads or always in need of quality contacts for your marketing campaigns? But list companies and online tools are the worst, right? Well, then you've got to check out Top Data Search by Mountaintop Data. At Mountaintop Data, we're a team of weird people that actually like getting our hands dirty with sales and marketing data, and we specialize in business contact information. We compile and maintain a database of tens of millions of targeted high-quality business decision makers with emails, phone numbers, mailing address, and all the information you need. Go to topdatasearch.com and request a free account with the promo code IYM1000, like if you market the podcast here, and get a free account with unlimited searches, no seat fees, and 1,000 free 
record download credits. That's topdatasearch.com. All right, we're back. You're listening to the Ify Market Podcast. We got Dan McGaw here. We're talking about MarTech, leveraging MarTech, driving personalization, driving growth. Um, Dan, before we get back into that subject, let's uh, let's learn a little bit more about you. Um, you know, your past, yeah. how you got here, and, and about your company, Maga.io. And I think you mentioned another one too, UTM.io. Um, you yeah. know, whatever you want to go over. So uh, take the stage, Dan. What's your kind of... Um, What's your pathway to your current career? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a long one. Um, so, I mean, I got my start 20 years ago sending mass email since before there was even mass email um, back in 1998, right? So, like, I've just been doing this for a really, really long time. Um, I started a business when I was 13, uh, one of the first online booking agencies for the uh, EDM space. Um, and I ran that company for six years until I was 19. And that was kind of my first foray into marketing, uh, technology, all that stuff. And, you know, what, back what then, age did you start it? You say 13, So 13, uh, you were running technology for EDM stuff. I'm imagining I'm picturing yeah. raves and all kinds of uh, a crazy 13 year old lifestyle. <laughs> Uh, uh, and some of the artists that I, I managed and booked at the time. So I worked with like Da Rude, who made the San song Sandstorm, uh, Kiyoki, one of the first records or first artists to sell a million albums uh, in the EDM space. So definitely had the chance to work with some really, really cool uh, people, but was super fascinating. And I just kind of fell in love with the rave industry uh, and then got into that. Uh, and then started learning digital marketing online. And there wasn't like a playbook, I mean, back then. And I just kind of had to figure it out. Uh, and that's kind of how I got my whole start in tech and getting involved. And, you know, fast forward, um, you know, a lot of people recognize me from when I was the head of marketing at Kissmetrics, one of the pioneers in analytics. Um, I wound up at Kissmetrics because I was the head of growth at another company called Code School. Um, so I've just, I've worked at a couple cool companies. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur, so I've always been an entrepreneur. Um, and, you know, I never meant to start our current company, Maga.io, was completely an accident. Uh, I left Kissmetrics, was running another venture-backed startup of my own, uh, Fuelzy, and that company wasn't doing all that great. My wife was like, why don't I do some consulting for Christmas present money for our kids? And I was like, sure. <laughs> uh, and then that consulting spiraled out of control to three months later, I had a team of 12 people working for me. Um, and I you like know, that use of spiraled out of control. Oh man. <laughs> like in a good way, spiraled out of control. Yeah. It, and, it, and, you know, it took us two years to kind of figure out what we were going to do. Um, we kind of were just doing digital marketing, but, um, two years in, I said, listen, we're going to become known for building tech stacks and we're going to focus on MarTech and sales tech. Um, and you know, that's worked out really, really well. I've written a book. I have an online course. Um, I, I now have a team of around 20 people at our company, uh, that are doing all this stuff. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. And I mean, we work with a wide range of clients. It's fascinating. We work with everybody from King's Hawaiian bread, right? Like whoever thought I'd be helping them with their digital uh, or tech stack uh, to the Kellogg's MBA program. Uh, we're rebuilding their stack to Maserati, right? Like it's been across the board craziness all the way to small companies like Forks Over Knives and Real Thread, like people you've never heard of um, all the way up to big companies like Eventbrite, who's publicly traded, right? So uh, it's been fascinating to see the wide swath of tech all the way through that. And, it, and the problems are all relatively the same. So um, it's been a lot of fun. I get to solve hard problems every day. It seems like you are my superhero, possibly. And by that, I mean, <laughs> I used to ask a question for people. Um, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Mm -hmm. 
and it has to be marketing related. I don't want invisibility or something like that. Oh, I want to, I want a marketing superpower. Yeah. <laughs> and, and mine was always knowing the complete MarTech stack. Mm. Um, just every time a new one's invented immediately, it's in your brain, you know, it, you know, exactly what it does. You don't have to do 10 demos a day just to still be behind, um, yeah. on knowing what's available. It seems like that is kind of you is, you know, the Mart, that's your job is to know the MarTech stack. Oh, for sure. I will definitely say though, I don't know all the tools that come out. Uh, I actually try not to be an innovator in our space anymore. Um, because most of the time when you try to be innovative, you wind up with a lot of bugs in a tool or something like that. Uh, so I tend to be an early majority to most tools. Um, but I definitely am told about every marketing tool, which comes out and, uh, it can be annoying. Um, but, um, there's a lot of tools. There's just too many tools. I mean, that's the problem. Every time there's a new tool is what Scott Brinker and you both get an email saying, Hey, I made a new tool. Come check it out. <laughs> I was going to say for sure. I get hit up on LinkedIn all the time. I probably get five to 10 spam LinkedIn message. Hey, I just created this new product. would love for you to check it out and get your feedback. And it's like, yeah, yeah. For $5,000, I'll do the meeting. But like, <laughs> if I had, if I did, come on, bud, I'm a startup. I'm like, yeah, there's 50 others just like you that reached out to me this week. I would love to help you. Um, yeah. I, so I got to be something. fair. I only have so much time. If I did it for yeah. you and not them, that's not, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, more tools are not going to solve my problem. Uh, so I don't need more tools at the end of the day. Um, so, yeah, it is. The toolbox is. is full. I might suggest that there's a publication out there, uh, Wired or something like that, to reach out to you and pay you to do those things for these companies say, all right, we're going to, we want you to review like 10 of these uh, a month. And the downside for those companies, I imagine if they were paying you, the review would, would maybe not be as critical as it could be. But if, um, if you're getting paid by a magazine to give your opinion on stuff, um, it's going to be a little no holds, uh, no holds barred there. Um, okay. Excellent. So that's what your company does now. You're not in the bleeding edge techs because companies pay you to put in martechs that work that are pretty bulletproof not to put in buggy problems that are you know a constant what is it jaguar they don't want you to set them up with it with a 1985 jaguar that's breaking down every day yeah so you're putting together these bulletproof tech stacks to these martech stacks to help them help them with, with their Grow marketing their and have everything together now what about is part of that like training their people or are you really looking at their tools and making adjustments and whatnot? How does, what, what does the process really look like that your company does? Yeah. So typically it starts out with an initial diagnostics. That diagnostics of course is mapped back to whatever their company's objectives are and their key results. Um, and that diagnostics process for us usually lasts between four to eight weeks. And we come in and we try to understand what are their business objectives. So they're trying to grow top line revenue. They're trying to reduce churn or uh, they need to bring on a new marketing automation platform. So we do all that. But one of the big things we have to do is assess the team that that company has on what they're going to be capable of using and what are they going to be capable of rolling out. Um, so there's definitely an assessment of trying to understand. You can't handle you can't hand a six year old the keys to a Ferrari and expect it to not come back. Fuck yeah, up. yeah. So um, we do a lot of work of making sure that we align the tools around that team. But um, at the same time, once we get done with that diagnostics, and let's say we get into a retainer where our job is to help roll that stack out and help do that, we do a lot of the integration work. We do a lot of the hand-to-hand -hand combat, getting tools set up, getting data fields mapped, all that stuff. 
uh, technical implementation, things like that. And there's a considerable amount of training that we have to do with these teams uh, and making sure they understand how things are set up. So there's a ton of documentation we have to do on how things are configured, but there's also a lot of walking people through the product. So like just the other day, I was on a call where we were training somebody on how to use Drift with HubSpot and as well as with Segment. So that way they can kick off the nurture streams that they had all set up. And we had to train them on that where you do a recorded session and then they get to keep that. Um, so a considerable amount of our time, 30 to 40% of our time and all of our deals is training and education. Um, Cause you need to, at the end of the day, we're a SWAT team. We're not your maintenance people all the time. You bring us in to, to, to get the bad guy and to fix the situation. You we're not the, uh, patrolman that walks the street and just keeps crime down um so you we always have to train somebody who's going to end up taking something over from us in many cases right i love a point you made there on it it doesn't help to give people tools that either they they can't or won't use and yeah. the main thing is can't because people don't won't usually tell you um that this is going to overwhelm me and I'm not going to be able to comprehend it or run it. Like you said, the sports car, you, you give yeah. people, um, and even I think among, among uh, amateur racers, there's certain type of cars where they'd be like, Oh, that's, that's a bit too much for me. Um, I know I can't yeah. go as fast in my car, but I will die in that car. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I say that all the time. I mean, people try to get me to use tools all the time. I'm like, there's just no way I can use that. Right. Um, so, and, and I'll use Google Tag Manager as an example. I know how Google Tag Manager works. I know all the crazy things you can do with it, but I can't use it. I, I'm not able to get in there. I'm dependent upon my engineers and I'm dependent upon my, my marketing operations teams to do whatever I need done in Tag Manager. I understand it, but if you set me up with it, I'd fail in a heartbeat. Right. So you have a combination when you're consulting of figuring out what to implement as well as what the team um what the team can and will handle to actually get the job done versus looks good on paper. Yeah. Excellent. Um, what that kind of bleeds into getting back to, to MarTech and the, the personalization growth side of it. Something I'm always curious about with MarTech and you know so much in, in this subject is what do you see coming for MarTech? Any, any shifts in the industry um, both in, in the in the sense of the martech field landscape in general is it consolidating is it continuing to expand is it as well as the um any specific new martechs that you think are on the horizon for one reason or another yeah for sure you know i think there's always going to be consolidation right companies are going to fail other people are going to buy them companies are going to be successful other companies are still going to buy them i mean adobe is on a spree right now of acquiring companies so um, that is always going to happen. Um, I, you know, I think MarTech is going to continue to see a big boon. Um, you're not seeing as many tools come out as you used to. And, you know, I don't think this has anything to do with like tools aren't being created. They're harder to track. Um, and that's one of the things that Scott said a couple of years ago when he was making the landscape is like the difference between the tools five years ago and the tools today is five years ago, people would create a domain, they would create an app and they would have this product that you would use and it would maybe integrate with other people's products. However, today it's now more about the apps that are inside of the Shopify marketplace or the apps inside of the Salesforce marketplace or the apps inside of the HubSpot marketplace. So there's all these tiny, tiny tools which are coming out that you can't really find easily um, because they're in these marketplaces, which are becoming more and more popular. So right. there's still a lot of tools being created. You just don't see them. 
Um, hmm. That being said, the big shift that we've really noticed is, you know, everybody might be familiar with three years ago, four years ago, artificial intelligence and machine learning was hot. Even 10 years ago, right? Like, oh, we got this machine learning, we can do prediction and all this stuff. Well, one of the great things that happened was is VCs threw a ton of money at these lead prediction companies and these artificial intelligence companies. To come to find out, when they finally started standing these things up in people's real data, they, the machine learning couldn't work because the underlying data was crap. Um, so you've seen it kind of over the past 24 months, 12 months, some of this stuff has kind of died down a little bit. And you've seen this big uptick of companies doing data governance. So helping you be able to track your data and keep it clean uh, has been kind of the thing over the past 12 months, 24 months, which we've seen a lot more companies coming out with, not to mention the citizen coding platforms, right? being at low code or no code platforms that enable you to connect things. But at the end of the day, the data governance, even I created a product, UTM.io, the whole point of the product is to get clean and accurate data in your analytics. So you're seeing more and more of these companies come out, which help you track uh, your data cleanly, store your data cleanly. Because if you don't, mar mar excuse me, artificial intelligence and machine learning can't help you. If the right. underlying data is messed up, it's going to have bad predictions. It's going to have bad outcomes. Um, so you've seen a lot of these companies come out, which is like, we really want to help you keep accurate data, clean, accurate data, clean it consistently. Um, when so when you say data, because I work in the data industry, but I'm my yeah. company is about uh, lists and the direct contact information, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole another set of data when it comes to analytics and kind of this this yeah this other stuff. Which are you talking about? Or are you talking about both? Are we talking about both? Hmm. Yeah, for sure. You know, you need so there's two there's two main. I mean, primary dimensions that you think about data. One, we have the things that we know about a person, which would be their identity information. And then we have the things that we know that a person did, which would be their actions, right? We call that behavior data or event data. A lot of the modern analytics are using event-driven analytics, right? So it's actions that people are taking and we track that, but they also can track what's going on in that identity. The problem that we've had historically is that capturing identity data or behavior data um, nobody knows how to properly do it, right? The, there's not a book that says like, this is how you design data taxonomy. Um, don't get me wrong, there is a book that talks about it, but like <laughs> in the web frame, there isn't. That data taxonomy stuff is now becoming extremely, extremely important. And people are just now realizing, oh shit, what is taxonomy? Um, and that's what I'm referring to is getting your data taxonomy. How am I going to store their first name? How am I going to store their last name? How am I going to store their address? Am I going to store their address in one field? Am I going to store it in seven fields, right? That taxonomy and knowing where data gets stored uh, has become a huge focus in MarTech because with bad data, you have bad results. Yeah, and I think uh, then there's a layer behind that, um, not just how you're storing it, but okay, here's the address. We also need to store where it came from, the mm. uh, when it came from there, the uh, reliability of that source. So if we have multiple other yeah. sources, we can swap out when needed. Um, what it was last month versus the month before versus the month before. So we can track a change when it happens and see it not as this is the exception, but this is the new information. Um, it, it's like you have one data point. And then as a data company, I know behind that, when we build and maintain data, there's 20 other data points just to be able to reliably say something versus here's the name. And then you just hope it never changes or, you know, yeah. data is going bad 50% every, every two years and, or during COVID much, 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 much faster. Um, and people just kind of close their eyes and hope some of the stuff lands. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, you start applying AI and then it starts acting on this stuff and, and you get um, insane, unuseful messes. That's great that 
so they're finally getting down to the data side of it and saying, oh, we did the cool part with AI. <laughs> we, we made the, uh, you know, we made the, the, uh, the, the robot here, but um, what it's acting on is, is trash. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Now what about any dangers in MarTech people should be looking out for other than, uh, I mean, the data one, you know, making sure that you have yeah. reliable information that's up to date in there that's being worked on. What, any particular pitfalls people should look out for with, within their MarTech? You know, honestly, I, and I, I wish I didn't have to say this, but shiny object syndrome and believing the hype sauce that you hear from these salespeople. I cannot tell you the number of clients that I work with that bought something for an additional $10,000 a year, or an additional $50,000 a year to never use it uh, because they just believe the hype sauce of uh, whatever sales rep they were listening to and they went along with it. Um, you've really got to make sure that you can effectively use these tools and you got to start small and build. Um, a lot of people have a tendency to buy the whole enchilada and the burrito and the side of fries on the side and then go to Taco Bell and get their new fr French fries, right? Like it's, it's ridiculous. So you, you really have to like Listen to what your objectives are, listen to what your key results are and be judicious with how you buy tools. Because honestly, the biggest thing that we see people doing is overspending on things they don't need. And at the end of the day, when you spend more than you need to, you lose profits, you lose revenue, and that's just not healthy. So just understand that a sales rep is there to get you to buy a tool so he gets a commission. He's there to get you to buy as much of that tool as possible. Uh, and people tend to just get caught up in the hype and buy all the things and then go, hey, why did we, we don't need all of this. I just wasted 30 grand. Right. Um, but you don't want to say you don't need it because then you'll get in trouble. So you just be quiet about it and it's sitting there rotting in your company. Um, exactly. You're paying for it. Interesting. Yeah. I want to talk to some of those salespeople. We'd like to hire some of those that will hype some and get people to buy it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but offline, uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the companies that can do it. So <laughs> I can't do that public on a podcast. Um, it, it occurs to me that uh, we had a podcast a, a while back when talking about customer personas that shocked me when I always had in my mind, like, Oh, if you don't have 20 customer personas, you should, you're not a real marketer. And this woman said, how many should you have? She said, as many as you can manage and actually use. It's like, if that's one, then you have one. And I was like, oh, yeah. and maybe you should work on having two. But if you have 20 of them, so same with MarTech, you know, if having this huge stack, you talked about a bunch of things earlier. If you don't have the time to understand it and use it, having all those things is pointless and a waste of money. Have a CRM and start with that and, and build on it. Or I guess if people were starting with one thing, would it be a CRM? I'd probably say, you know, honestly, I'd say a marketing automation platform over a CRM. They, once again, I mean, the marketing automation platforms have a lot of overlap with CRMs. So right. I would say the map. Excellent. Excellent. That way it is a marketing podcast. So basically we're saying it's a CRM for marketing, marketing automation yeah. platform. And it uh, a lot more doing in there. Although many of the, CRMs these days have a lot of these marketing automation things built in as well. So again, yeah. in that overlap, but it's super confusing. Don't fall into the trap of thinking you're not a real marketer or you should be ashamed if you don't have all the, like you said, shiny things plugged in and, and, and in use. Um, yeah. Use what you can get results. And that goes back to the growth part. If it's leading towards growth, 
awesome and then and then look to add on as as you can handle it yeah um, and if you're trying to take a shortcut right and you want to be able to learn more of this stuff just go to our website magal.io um, you can get a copy of my book for free build cool shit it'll give you the the primary six or seven tools that you really need to focus on and it's a real case study about a client of ours uh, and we'll help you understand some of the outcomes and objectives you can accomplish um, by using your stack right like i mean take the shortcut don't try to do it the hard way just go get a free copy of my book Right. That, that's awesome. And it seems to uh, seed in the, when you're talking to that salesperson, finding out what's it going to do for me. And if they say increased revenues, that doesn't cut it. You need to know what yeah. it's going to actually, oh, it delivers an email to an inbox. And now I know what it actually does, but you can't say it's yeah. going to make everybody love you. Like, no, I need to know what it's actually going to do. And if that can't be explained as something you need, then Maybe it's not the MarTech for you at the, at, at the moment. Awesome. Any last things you'd like to add in here? I do want to make sure um, you mentioned the book, Build Cool Shit. I love it. Um, I love that. It seems like every book I talk about these days has a um, uh, an F-bomb or a shit or something in the title somewhere. That's going to be the, um, you know, this era in marketing is going to be like, yeah, you got to throw a swear word into your whatever it is. Um, yeah. We have it built right into our our podcast name so market the shit out of it <laughs> yeah no i uh they become really i mean come on my company was called f and amazing for for six years mm. so uh swearing comes along with the territory i guess around here <laughs> awesome any last things you'd like to uh to throw out to the audience uh, before before we wrap it up here we are gonna um you know put a little more information out there about you and and, and whatnot but anything we haven't covered when it comes to martech hmm I think we covered most of the big stuff, right? I mean, if there's any one bit of advice that I always give people is before you really start building out all of your stack and getting all these things set up, just focus, take some time to figure out your data taxonomy. Uh, and that's really important. If you don't know what data taxonomy or stack taxonomy means, just Google stack taxonomy and you'll find plenty of my content that will help you understand how you need to get your taxonomy set up. Uh, but that's, that's what's going to really push you forward is getting the right data taxonomy for your stack. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Um, well, you can find the uh, the show notes, more information on Dan McGaw on uh, ifyoumarket.com. And uh, please share us on social media. Share us around with some, I can't say the word share today. Uh, share us with uh, with some of your marketing friends on uh, on LinkedIn or wherever you happen to reside. Give us a good review on iTunes. And uh, on behalf of the If You Market team and Dan McGaw of McGaw.io, Thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast. And I'm getting a little ahead of ourselves here. I need to say uh, you can go find Dan on LinkedIn um, at Maga.io. Also, the book will be on the, uh, the show notes, Build Cool Shit. And then back to the ending here. Thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with the right MarTech, they will come. Hi, everybody. This is Jeff Pedowitz, President and CEO of the Pedowitz Group. We help companies of all sizes improve their revenue in the digital world. So right now, if you're trying to get more leads, improve conversion, or grow your revenue, come talk to us. We can help you with the technology that you use, your strategies, your processes. We can help you with your creative and the execution. We have an amazing, talented group of people here in the United States, as well as worldwide, ready, willing, and able to serve. Uh, the last 14 years, we have helped over 1,500 customers generate over $20 trillion of revenue. Uh, so that is $20 trillion of revenue. So we are uh, really looking forward to working with you. You can learn more about us at pedowitzgroup.com. And my name is Jeff Pedowitz. Thank you.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.